struggling to determine what's ethical and what's not for your business or practice? It may be because you haven't delved deeply into your why, your why for your business. Called by many a unique and deep approach, the Why Workshop is a self-paced $77 mini course that guides you in a multifaceted dive into why you do what you do. The resulting ahas can become the heart of your brand and filter all of the decision-making in your business. Go to defythestatusquo.com forward slash the hyphen why hyphen workshop to learn more. After doing 15 plus interviews with people about their unethical coaching experiences, I realized I have never used a podcast episode to tell my own story. So here are my responses to my own questions about my unethical coaching experience. Welcome to the Critically Conscious Coach, where coaches and consultants know the importance of deeply connecting with prospects, showing up in an authentic and joyful way, and inviting those people to become lifelong clients to exceed their sales goals. But most coaches are afraid to market themselves because they've been taught to use cookie-cutter marketing tactics and unethical sales approaches, when in reality, your prospect just wants a real emotional connection and amazing results. Therefore, get ready to unlearn and market yourself authentically through asking insightful questions, making better business decisions, practicing self-acceptance, and doing sales the right way. Hey, hey, welcome to an episode on the Critically Conscious Coach, a podcast that focuses on helping coaches, consultants, and online service providers build authentic and aligned businesses. And that's besides all of the crazy bro marketing and MLM style coaching that's going on these days. And I'm just so very happy to speak to you about it on this side of the rebrand. So Let's go ahead and get into it. I've got a list of questions that I've been asking people as I've been conducting interviews for my book, my upcoming book, Cult Coaching, and I realized that I don't actually have any podcast episodes that speak explicitly to my experience with unethical coaches. So I wanted to share that with you today as a way to kind of kick off this rebrand and this new version of my podcast. So let's do it critically conscious style. So first question How much did you spend on unethical or mismarketed coaching or consulting programs? That's the first question I ask everybody. And so the answer to that question is initially my investment was about $10,000. And then the second investment I made in that same company was about $18,000. Next question, how long was the program? So the first program, the $10,000 program was $10,000. The other program was after that, like, so it was their Ascension model, their Ascension ladder or whatever. It was $18,000. But right when I purchased, they were about to increase the price to $24,000. So there might have been a little influence in there too. Next question, how much revenue were you generating at the time that you joined the program or programs? So when I joined the first program, I was probably somewhere between $5,000 and $7,000 a month. And that was after in February of 2020, uh, hitting $9,500 on my own, pretty much hitting that amount in top level revenue. There were, of course, business expenses and stuff like that, but I hit $9,500 and I was providing content marketing services, content creation and content strategy to clients with the support of a team. So 
money had started to go down. Like in May, I released an anchor client because they had some changes in leadership and they, you know, I did not enjoy working with them anymore. And so my monthly revenue had come down since then, but I was still doing all right. The second program, though, the $18,000 one, I actually was making almost nothing. And I was just like a big jumble of nerves. And it was absolutely crazy. (laughs) How did I discover the programs or how did they find me? That's the third question. I found them through a Facebook ad and I had no idea about the online coaching world. It was absolutely crazy. But I, I found an ad. I paid like $7 for this ebook. I thought what was in the ebook was really good. I was going to save it for later because it was about Facebook ads. And I was like, cool, that was actually worth it. I'm looking forward to trying that out. And then they texted me and they called me. I was like, holy shit, nobody has ever done that. Ugh. Of course, because again, like I didn't, I didn't know. And so I get on a phone with them and I'm like, okay, wow, these people are like legit talking to me. This feels good. And that actually, you know, and that was it. Like there, and then one of the questions is to describe their marketing. How do I feel about their marketing? I felt fine about their marketing. I felt like it really spoke to me and it made me hopeful, which, you know, may have been part of the problem. But the real kicker was kind of the sales call process. And I've described this to people. Like at the time, the sales call process felt fine. It felt wonderful. But upon reflection, it was more like I was just like this little lamb being led to the slaughter, but not even led. Like I was skipping joyfully to the slaughter. I hit all of the checkpoints. I flowed right through those questions and I didn't even have any objections really uh, that they needed to overcome. But they did a wonderful job of anchoring me into my hopes and my dreams and then making sure that I vividly under- like had that taste of like fear of failure and all of that while then circling back to be like, but if you do achieve this, you'll be able to retire your husband and do this and do that and whatever, right? And that was a really big deal for me at the time, especially because my husband was home, but he has a compromised immune system. So the fact like with COVID going on, because all of this took place in 2020, It was just really crazy. So next question, what was the onboarding experience like? The onboarding experience was interesting because we didn't have like an individual onboarding. It was like these small groups for onboarding, but it wasn't really like super informative. It was more like an opportunity to kind of amp everybody up. I did receive a package in the mail that way, 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 like I think it was a couple weeks into the program. I received a a package in the mail. I know some people who never got their packages you know, and then just like some emails getting me into, I think they used Kajabi uh, or whatever, one of those platforms and making sure I was in the Facebook group. And they made sure to create like a love bomb post, you know, tagging me. So a bunch of people commented on it and they talked about why I was going to do so great because I'm a veteran and, you know, achiever, blah, blah, blah. So they did all of that. And that's kind of the onboarding experience. The day-to-day kind of experience of the program, the week-to-week experience, uh, and that's another question I've been asking people. Uh, there were like four calls throughout the week. The company also produced two different podcasts and then all of the video training that we were supposed to watch. And in order to get on the video calls, like you could participate in the live streams and put questions and stuff in the comments. But in order to actually participate and get feedback on your stuff, you had to submit an application through their platform to be allowed onto the Zoom side of the call to get help from a coach. And they didn't really seem to limit like how long they talk to people, you know, because I remember sitting, I was second in line for a call and the coach talked to the person ahead of me, the first person for like 45 minutes, but then gave me like 10 minutes. And I was like, well, this fucking sucks. (laughs) And so I remember that kind of distinctly. There was a lot of back and forth in terms of like Google Docs because they had things for us to fill out like worksheets and then they would give us feedback 
using the Google Doc format in the worksheet. And let's see, lots of, you know, stuff you're supposed to participate in the uh, Facebook group, you know, commenting and whatnot. And they every quarter they had these events that was technically for the second level program, which eventually I joined, but it was for the second level program. And so it was kind of included, but you're supposed to participate in those. And those were like three or four days. Um, but yeah, so lots of lots of content to consume, live streams, video training, written stuff that we were supposed to be reading, and then the podcast. And then they had they had sent us a book, a Psycho Cybernetics, although probably me just saying the title of that book probably cued you guys into who it might be if you went through that experience as well. Next question I ask is, what was the relationship dynamic like with this coach or consultant? So this thing, this, this was a company. So they had several coaches, business coaches working for them. And I got I got on fine. Like, I get along with people. So I feel like I got on fine with them. But the people in charge of the company, they did not actually talk to us. <laughs> they didn't talk to us. You know, and they were busy. You know, they were big or whatever is fine. Um, I will say that I almost didn't work with them in the way in the beginning because I'm looking at one of the co-founders and I'm like, I fucking hate your hair. And then I was like, Ruthie, that's shallow. But I hated this person's hair because I was like, that's so out of regs because I was in the army. I was like, but Ruthie, you're not in the army anymore. I was like, yeah, but it, but the hair. <laughs> but I ignored it because I was like, that's shallow. I shouldn't not work with somebody because of their hair. So a big question I ask is, did you ever express doubts about the efficacy of the program for your business to the coach or consultant? And how did they respond? Um, I had expressed doubts a couple of times, but not usually out in the open, i.e. in the Facebook group, because I saw what happened when you did that. People dove in, right? And I was part of it. I was part of people. So when I say people, I'm not trying to say that I didn't do it. Uh, but we were like wolves. Like when you were high on all the love bombing and you were feeling like everything was going to go your way or whatever. And then somebody comes in and they're like, it's not working for me. Like that's how I heard it, right? Like, oh, you're so whiny. Like I was like Kim Kardashian right now. Get up off your ass and work, right? That's like Kim K was saying to everybody that's going viral on TikTok right now. That was how I responded too. So instead of us being like, hey, yeah, you got this. It's like, well, have you been doing this? Did you do that? Have you listened to this video training? Did you participate in this live stream? You need to sign up for the call so that way you can, you know, did you go look through all the call archives to look up your problem? Um, you know, this sounds like a mindset issue. It sounds like you have a lot of limiting beliefs. You know, why would it not work for you and work for all of us? When in reality, it wasn't working for the vast majority of us, but we were still high on what it was they had been selling us. And I've said this in past episodes. We did not pay thousands of dollars for the shit to not work. So reflecting on it now, it was like anytime somebody else expressed doubt, that was a little niggling, right? Like a little fear that we should also be worried that it would not work for us. But that went counter to our belief system because we were so desperate for things to work. But anytime anybody expressed any type of doubt, it usually started a stir on the post and then the post would eventually be deleted. Uh, the person's individual needs were not addressed. It was usually twisted around to make it sound like it was their fault. And, you know, it was it was the same for me. The couple of times that I expressed it, you know, I did not get the response of support that I would have hoped for in public. I got more support when I reached out to other more experienced people in the program who were seeming to do well, who also kind of picked up the vibe, like the fact that they were successful did not uh, keep them from seeing that there were very good reasons why it wasn't working for everybody. And so I got more help that way. But anytime I brought it up to like the coaches or whatever, it just it got shut down. Another question I ask, how was your offboarding experience? Almost everybody who's done my interview process with me, they didn't have an offboarding experience and I didn't either. 
I didn't have an offboarding experience. I spent nearly $30,000 with this company and did not have an offboarding experience. Yep. No offboarding call, no email, no nothing. Nothing. And maybe it was because by that point they knew, like they knew I didn't have any money for them. And their their offboarding calls, like their offboarding call with the first program, the 10-week program, was really just a sales call to get into the second program. And I was so desperate to not leave the environment because they had harped on how valuable the environment was. And what I really needed was more time to implement, probably. Not really, though, because it wasn't good stuff. But at the time, I believed what I really needed was more time to implement what I had learned in the first level program. But they didn't have a way for me to sign up and stay on and stay in the environment and stay with the support that I thought I had. So I paid. They let me in and paid. And that's where I feel like the real unethical selling happened. Wasn't with the first program. Uh, it was with the second one when I didn't actually have any revenue coming in and I was I was so desperate. Right. And they were like, yeah, this eighteen thousand dollar program that's meant for people who are making at least 20 K in their business per month already. Yeah, that's the one we're going to throw you in for sure. And it's funny, I paid more money and felt like I got less help. <laughs> so beyond the financial impact, how did this experience affect you and slash or your business? That's a question I've been asking. I almost quit. <laughs> I almost quit my business. I almost packed up and went home, i.e., you know, metaphorically. I remember the day. It was December 2020, and I was walking my goat to her milk stand. She was running ahead of me, and it was a cold morning, a bit cloudy, and it aptly reflected my mood. And she's running up to the stand, and I'm like, you know what? People like goats. People like chickens. Maybe I just stopped doing all of this crazy shit pull my kids out of daycare because that's the big expense I've been covering and just become a farming mom blogger and post pictures of my animals and flowers and my herbal concoctions. Maybe that's what I do. I have never failed so hard at anything in my life. Why isn't this working for me? Why does it work for other people and not me? I followed the instructions. It must be something wrong with me. I should quit. That's how it felt. That's how much it hurt. That's how much damage it did. It hurt a lot. And I'm not sure I can, I can express to you accurately like how I was feeling. Because part of the reason I got sucked up into this, and this is another question I ask is, have you discovered what it was about you, your business, and mindset at the time that made this uh, coach consultant company so attractive to you? I had gotten out of the military in 2015. And I didn't know who I was without being a soldier. I was a stay-at-home mom for a while, but that didn't line up with who I viewed myself to be. I was a federal contractor for a while, but I was just blending in. I was just a cog in the wheel. Did not line up with who I imagined myself to be. And then 2020 happens, and I just want, I just want to do work that's making a difference, that helps people and improves their lives, not just their businesses. But if, if by improving their businesses, it improves their lives, then I will have felt like I accomplished something. And I wasn't sure how to go about it. And what really pulled me in was when they said, if you follow these steps, if you follow our instructions, if you're coachable, if you let us help you, you will succeed. And I was like, shit, I built an entire career out of following instructions and excelling at following instructions. I got promoted to staff sergeant four years, almost four years ahead of time, like ahead of when it normally happens. I was the person that people were like, oh, Sergeant Bowles. Sergeant Bowles is the person you want to go to. Like, I knew how to succeed when given instructions. And I, I loved the idea of the community because I hadn't had one for such a long time. 
And it appealed to that part of me, that part of me that was in an identity crisis, the part of me that wanted help, the part of me that felt like if somebody could just pull back the curtain a little bit, I would be able to achieve great things too. Not just by revenue numbers, but by actual impact. And the sad truth of the matter ended up being that just like the Wizard of Oz, you pull back the curtain and instead of finding an awe-inspiring, you know, person or being, you have this weak old man who's just using a little microphone. That's how it was. And so what it was about me, those were the things that I wanted and that's what they made it sound like they had. And that's what made me vulnerable. Is it sounded way too good to be true, but I was already getting high off the hope dope. <laughs> Thanks, Pam. Pam Carpenter, she shared that phrase with me, hope dope. I was already getting high off the hope dope from the sales call. And you couldn't tell me nothing. I got my first hit of hope dope during that first sales call. And they regularly served it up until I didn't know how to operate without it. Anything that caused me to question efficacy in the program, they would just, you know, restructure it, reframe it so I could blame something external to them. Not necessarily external to me because blaming my limiting beliefs was a very popular thing, but that's how they did it. That was my, my experience. What really stands out to me about my experience that made it unethical or mismarketed? Definitely that second sales call when I didn't have the money for this. I did not have the fucking money. Not in my business. I had to put it on a personal credit card and they knew it. They knew that I was worried about that. And, and they, they were like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. If it matters enough to you, you'll find the money, right? You'll make it happen. That wasn't a good business decision. Nobody talked to me about risk, right? And it just, it wasn't a good fit. Going into that second level program wasn't a good fit. Another thing that I felt made it unethical or mismarketed is they made it sound like, you know, people would work with you and really help you tailor it and all this other stuff. But I really, based on the results, if your business was perfectly aligned for this type of thing to work, then it would. If your business was not, then it wouldn't. And that was the problem with letting so many people in is that there were so many of us for whom this was not perfectly aligned to work. So if you were perfectly positioned, then you would take off. If you weren't, then you would not. And they would blame you on top of it. <laughs> they make it sound like it's all these super secret squirrel stuff, but it's really not. It was organic marketing from like 2017. They didn't update the videos, the videos that we were all instructed to watch. And it was old stuff. Stuff that tons of people were using, that tons of people were tired of. And of course, I just had no idea going into it. So that, that was my experience. So almost every single episode where I talk about unethical coaching, part of it draws on my experience. Trying to put all of it into one episode would be very difficult. So we're going to link the cult coaching series of episodes in the show notes of this one, because if you'd like to get more specific, more detailed examples of what it is that I'm talking about, you will find it in the cult coaching collection of episodes, especially the two episodes about the bite model. The bite model, which also exists now as a nice blog article on the website, came to be based largely on my experiences in this program. But make no mistake, what I've been talking about recently in the last few weeks about systematic unethicality, about people who genuinely do have your best interests at heart, but don't realize that the framework structures and processes that they're using put them at an inherent disadvantage in terms of helping you achieve those things, that those realizations came to me from another program, another couple programs, in fact. So that's why I talk about the things that I do is that it's not just people who don't give a fuck. 
And I'd say, pardon my language, but this is my podcast. And there's a little E on this podcast. So you already knew this was coming. It's not just the people who don't give a fuck. It's the people who do. It's the people who do, but they are ignorant of the lack of ethics that's built into some of these things. They are trying to make an unethical system or an unethical process work, and it won't. It doesn't. And so we have to unlearn and do things differently. And that's the energy behind the rebrand of the podcast. And that's why you're listening now to The Critically Conscious Coach. So I'm looking forward to more of the episodes that we've got planned as, you know, we're still celebrating the rebrand and embracing things. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope this answers some questions about my own journey. If you've got questions around the name change for the podcast, i.e. the Critically Conscious Coach, if you've got questions about the phrase critically conscious, anything related to today's episode or what you'd like to see moving forward, I definitely encourage you to visit www.defythestatusquo.com and scroll down a ways to our speak pipe option where you can just record a voicemail and leave it for us. And you may hear your questions or comments on an episode of the podcast. I would absolutely appreciate your feedback as we build this new podcast, not just the podcast, build this new podcast, as well as this new movement in the coaching, consulting and service online service industry, the critically conscious movement. Thank you so much.